Hi, I'm Howard Tierski. Welcome to the Winning Digital Customers podcast, where we focus on the stories of large-scale digital transformations told by the people who lead them. Everybody, welcome once again to the Winning Digital Customers podcast. Fantastic guest for you today. Reka Ramesh is joining us. Reka is the Chief Digital Officer of the Tupperware organization. Tupperware, a classic brand, been around for a long, long time, and she is driving digital transformation there as both the Chief Digital Officer and the Chief Information Officer. So very interested in talking to her about that, as well as uh, she has years and years of experience in this same space. So uh, be great to get right into that with Reka and welcome Reka. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Howard. Thanks for the opportunity and thanks for the viewers who are listening to this. Absolutely. So um, anything you want to add to my uh, my quick introduction of you by way of background that you think you know, the listeners from My know? background, I've been blessed because <laughs> whichever way <laughs> we look at it, had been in uh, different transformation industries. My first one was music industry when it was going through from physical media to digital media. So we didn't even have coined the term digital transformation, right? We are just phasing it as uh, people who are changing their interest to listen to uh, digital media and going from albums to single songs. So how do we quickly react to the market? And, and Asia was leading the, the way. And at that time, I was uh, a CIO for Asia Pacific. So that was my first first one. And then was Avon Products. Great experience. Great company. Iconic uh, American brand. So a lot of lessons learned from there. And uh, then I was in a retail service organization. Grocery retail was going through a lot of transformation. And now in Tupperware. So, yeah, um, some, some lessons uh, learned some things to share so we can talk about it. Definitely. Well, let's get right into it. One thing I can't help but think when I think about Tupperware is this is the original gig economy. I mean, people talk about it today, but Tupperware has been doing the gig economy four or five decades or more. I'm not even really sure. Yeah. How, how does that view there? And what do you think about Tupperware as an innovator in that space long before it became so yeah. hip? Actually, I would say it, uh, gig economy, yes, and also social influences, right? Now we call like the digital social influences. But if you take Tupperware model, the party model, 75 years ago, the, they are the most traditional social influences, right? What do we do? Our Tupperware consultants host the party where they are influencing their friends and their families on what they think is the best product. And that's how Tupperware grew to multi-billion dollar business and the 75 years of legacy, right? So, yep, like you said, it gives the gig economy for um, gig economy, but it also gives flexibility. And with the digital transformation, it gives them absolute flexibility to do the business and their own free will at their own spare time, whether it is night or whatever, right? So, um, so both. Uh, gig economy and traditional yeah. social influences. So it yeah. comes naturally for them when they have to do it on the digital world, right? So, Well, actually, that's interesting. So let's dive in on that because I find sometimes when companies are really successful at something in the more traditional analog world, it's not so easy for them to adapt to a digital world. Tell me a little bit about the digital transformation that's occurred there and, and some of the things that have been successes or, and or some of the challenges you faced. Yeah, both. Um, but I think timing was definitely in favor for us. Um, uh, the 
company, Tupperware as a company, we decided to dive into digital just before COVID. So the COVID, um, in hindsight, COVID really helped us accelerate for just like many other companies, right? Like for, um, similar for Tupperware, it really helped accelerate because suddenly, uh, look at our model. Our model is physical invitation to people's house to host parties, right? Okay. Now, yes, the need was still there because people were spending more time at home. They were spending more time in the kitchen, so they would love to organize the kitchen differently. They would like to cook more. And so the need for Tupperware products grew. But how do we fulfill that was as an immediate challenge. So it really helped us with the digital transformation. What we did is two different things, right? One is how do we virtualize because we have two customers. One is our consultant. Another one is our consumer. How do we enable our consultants to do their business virtually, whether recruiting new people, onboarding them? Because when you onboard them into a Tupperware business, you need to tell them how, what is our product? What are the speciality of our products? How do you do the demo? Everything, onboarding them. And we gave them, as you know, we are all in Zoom steroids during COVID. Now, how do we take that culture and help them to do virtual parties, right? So when they do a virtual party, can they display all the products in the same virtual uh, party world and uh, get the wish list? So those are all the, some of the things we did. We also gave them a platform with the Tupperware product content where they can push post into social medias, right? So they know how to influence. But now if you facilitate the content, then it, it helps their, their traditional characters of influencing people, but just in the digital world. So that's what we did. It helped. Challenges always, when you provide content, it's not the same content relevant for California versus Florida, given climate changes, given interest. There's so many things we have to be very specific to the geography of, uh, of the consultant itself. So how do we customize that? How do we enable them to customize? And some of them are in WhatsApp, some of them are in Instagram. Depending on your social network, you might be, a choice of your social platform could be different. So how do we enable them that? And some of them are new to social platforms, right? So there is a little bit of, uh, I'm not so sure how to do it. So how do we keep that training? And in our world, the, the turnover is also high. So how do we keep that constant training for the new consultants coming in? So some of, some of those challenges. And when you take that internationally, it's much, many more challenges, right? How do we take payment methods? All right. Yes, we are enabling them digitally. Now, how do we get yeah, all the way till checkout process, right? So, and if we touch more on the, on the challenges, we can talk about uh, all that is fantastic. How do you take a legacy environment and modernize to enable the digital? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's start there. I think that's certainly a topic that's of, of broad interest. Yeah. What happens at so many companies is you have a develop a vision, you know, you have a workshop or something, create a journey map. And then you go, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> we got to make this work on this old stack. Yep. And uh, it becomes a challenge to figure out where you can somehow adapt or create API layers or yes. connect things together or where you have to say, you know what, we have to just almost replace our entire stack in order to have a new modern architecture. Where were you at Tupperware when you started and, and what approach did you wind up taking there? No different. I think um, I always joke this. 
the day I join an organization where I don't see an AS400, I think it's time for me to retire, right? <laughs> then I have aged myself. So There's now, always one in a closet somewhere. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, right? So it's amazing, but similar challenges, whether it is music industry or whether any company I have worked so far, the, um, the fragmented technology portfolio under the legacy it comes with, right? The legacy stack is always there, right? Um, because end of the day, as the businesses are growing, don't think any one company has kept, unless they are digitally, digital um, savvy or, or the new companies, right? So companies with 75 years of background, you, are, you tend to see the legacy uh, footprint. So no different. We do have that too. So we took what is the most easiest to transform? The front end, right? The front end layer of, okay, how are we onboarding? How are we recruiting? How are we placing the orders? That's what we took. There is still more work to be done on the order fulfillment and tracking. So we took the most efficient um, uh, efficient point of the consumer journey or the customer journey. And we said, okay, those are the points we are going to do digital transformation. And of course, as a phase two, we are modernizing the rest of the world. And the second thing we did is the big markets, right? 80-20 rule. Let's take the big markets and continuously you know, improve the, the experience of our consultants and the consumers while we are doing the rest of the markets. We looked at the API integration layer because that's, that's what is going to make the difference. They're not going to see how the look and feel of our supply chain systems are ERP. So as long as the integration layer and it provides not really real time, but the near time integration, that's good enough. That's the approach we took to address mm -hmm. that challenge. Yeah. And yeah. when you went to replace that front end, can you share a little bit about what technologies you chose to do that with and why you picked those technologies? Yeah. First of all, we moved much of our application, whether it's SaaS based or to cloud. So we moved, um, we have adopted GCP as our, uh, we do have a hybrid cloud. We do have some presence in Azure and Oracle as well, being a JDE platform. But primarily we moved to GCP to provide us the scalability in the front end. Because when we have flash sales, the level of traffic coming in, well, how are we going to be able to scale at speed? So moving to cloud was necessary, absolutely. And from front end, many of the platforms we chose are off the shelf with SaaS based. So that really helped, right? Um, for our integration layer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what we did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, so one thing I noticed in your title is that you're the chief digital officer and you're also the chief information officer. I'm curious in your world, is that like having two jobs or is that really one kind of merged job? And what are your thoughts about, you know, there's people listening who probably are CIOs, but not the CDO. Yeah. Sometimes there is no CDO. Sometimes yeah. someone might be a CDO, but they're not the CIO. Are these really the same job at this point or different? Or how do you perceive that sitting in sort of in both chairs? Yeah, a very interesting trend that you can start seeing, right? The CDIO is a title starting to pop up more and more in the, uh -huh. um, in the market space. I think traditionally there are CTOs, there are CIOs. The CIO role itself is morphing. We are far more business savvy mm -hmm. than what traditionally used to be a CTO role. Right, so we are the conduits between the business world and the technology world. 
And with that in mind, when we are commercially looking at how do we improve the, the revenue? What is the consumer acquisition cost? How do I decrease that? How do I increase the per hour revenue for in a gig economy world like us, the direct selling companies? When we start looking at it from a commercial terms and how do we enable that, that's where it becomes, okay, it used to be, should it sit under marketing? There used to be shadow IT in the different parts of the world. Now, when that happens, the integration, the, um, uh, the integration becomes tougher. So organizations are starting to recognize that. And when we combine the digital officer role, which enables those digital transformation, it becomes easier. Is it two different roles? Not really. It really depends on how do we structure our organization, right? Our um, uh, technology organization. So in your role, you have a CTO then who you yes. look to for most of the hardcore technology stuff. I have and the a CIO role being more of a business role yes. really is, that's when that CIDO role makes sense. Yes. And it's also like in, this, in my organization, I have done a bimodal organization. In other words, there is an organization which is truly looking for ERP modernization, supply chain, things which you need to plan, takes time and heavy investment. And I have, uh, I have a set of people in, truly focusing on digital, which is like 60 days. Let's put that in, small investment. If that doesn't work, no problem, we can change it. It's quick to fail, quick to pilot, right? Um, so that's, that's really where the CDO combines into the CIO. How are you able to address both needs? One is a, like a marathon runners, right? You have to plan for it. You have to spend time. It takes a lot more investment, whereas from a CDO perspective, it's like marketing. How do I quickly enable them? What are the quick wins? How do I, it's a low investment, but higher returns, right? Yeah, so yeah, that's where yeah. it comes. So as you've been driving the transformation there, first of all, congratulations on having had it ready for the start of COVID. That's either either <laughs> yeah. genius or just lucky, one of the two. <laughs> a little bit of both, I guess. Genius for all our executive committee members, and we got lucky uh, as well. Yeah. So I'd love to hear a little about some of the challenges you faced along the way. No, no large transformation occurs without encountering all kinds of challenges and obstacles, and I find sometimes for our audience hearing some of the challenges you encountered and how you overcame them uh, is some of the most instructive. So I'd love you to talk about some of the most difficult parts of the transformation that you've been driving. Absolutely, right? Um, there are many, many different aspects when you face a challenge. And as I said, if you, are, if you are a conduit between the business and technology, it all the way starts from, is the industry recognizing that the change is happening to us? You know, take the music industry, right? Of course, it took us a while to say, okay, what is happening in the world? Is it really changing into digital? And you know, you remember the Napsters of the world at the time. So that is the first challenge. What is happening outside the industry, which is disrupting the whole music industry world, um, like any other industry? So that's, that's the first one, recognizing the disruption. Second, convincing our consumers um, on what is the product, how are we going to meet their needs in their way or shape or form. Whether it is music industry, A1 or Tupperware, they would like, for example, instant gratification, right? Take direct selling world. It, it, is, it is someone placing the order on behalf of a consumer and the, the order gets fulfilled through them, 
That means it is not like I'm going to a, a retail, looking at the product, touching, feeling, and buying it, right? So how do you fulfill that instant gratification? What is the need of the consumer and how we are going to be fulfilling when we go through this transformation is always something we have to look at. What is our business model versus what is the consumer expectation and how are we going to match that um, thing? And as a CIO, as I explained, the technology challenges itself. What do we want to do? How fast we have to move versus what is the reality of a fragmented technology portfolio, which could be a lot of legacy stacks. And then, then the talent. Taking the last two years, how do you attract talent to move fast? Right? Whether it is a training or a technical integration or, or data privacy or security, name it. Every aspect of the digital transformation, how do you attract the talent and retain them? Right? So one of the models which we have done, we also um, we did a balanced model where we uh, recruited key people, key personals internally, and we have a balanced um, network of partners who can provide us the scalability and the relevant um, relevant talent. So those are, you know, just just to rattle off my mind, right? These are some of the challenges and. Uh, in those days, we used to have um, even bandwidth challenges, right? So how do you cater when you go from a, a B2B to B2C model? Uh, how, what is the scalability? But with nowadays, with what cloud provides us, that becomes less of a challenge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd like to ask you about how much digital you think is going to change the business of Tupperware versus be an enabler. You know, I feel like there are some businesses where, okay, now instead of taking an order via on paper or on the phone, we can take it on, you know, the internet or a mobile app and, you know, things like that, right? Which are basically just business as usual, but with digital tools to as alternative channels versus other businesses. If you look at what Uber did for taxis, you know, like a completely different approach. And I'm curious, how transformational are you seeing digital be I actually be interested in hearing both about your distribution model, which is, of course, one of the yeah. most innovative aspects of your company, and even about your products. Are you seeing digital creep into, you know, is there a digital Tupperware? Uh, is there Internet of Things sensors? It, uh, you know, is there a role that digital is going to become not just part of how you sell, but what you sell? Yeah, um, there are multiple, um, multiple things in your question, right? First, what will it be different with digital, right? So that's what is your question. One of the fundamental things we are looking to achieve through digital transformation is the, the reach of consumers. How can we broaden the reach of consumers? I don't know about you, Harvard. Many of them I speak to, almost every person I speak to knows about Tupperware. But if I ask them, so when was the last time you bought Tupperware? That's when they would be like thinking, hmm, I do have Tupperware at home. Not sure when I bought it because the consumer reach truly depends on if you have a consultant living nearby you and if you had the opportunity to attend a party. So that's where the physical limitation is there, whereas the digital is going to enable our consultants and particularly the newer, younger uh, age consultants and the digital savvy uh, consultants who are going to be able to reach much more broader consumer base. Right. So that is that's where it is going to make a difference. That's a first. Then he asked about distribution model. Of course, for us, that's a really a big plus. 
We are not only traditional social sellers, we also take care of the last mile delivery because these are done through our consultants and, and we are giving a choice, right? If the consumers would love to have direct delivery, we deliver on behalf of our consultants. Or if they think, hey, you know what, I'm hosting a party now that the COVID is slowly going away. I, I know how to deliver to my friends and families. Yes, that's possible too. And we do have a different type of customers, right? People who just, they're not looking for a gig economy or earning opportunity. They are coming in to enjoy. They are loyal customers. They just come in to enjoy additional discount and buy Tupperware for their friends and families. We encourage that too, right? And that's when we go direct to, uh, to deliver for them um, when the consultants gives us the permission to deliver, right? So we are also looking at, should we be integrating sensor into our, uh, our containers, which can help remind consumers about, hey, the food is going to expire or it is a refill. So we are exploring those areas as well. So to answer your question, absolutely, right? The IoT is sensor-based, definitely will influence some of the product themes going forward. Is it immediate? Is it later? That's something which our product organization need to answer. Yeah. Well, I'll put my bid in. I love Tupperware that just even has a date, like a little countdown. We write on with grease pencil on the cover of our of our containers when something is made, you know, and then yep. it can be tough to get the grease pencil off. I'd love to have like just something that could reset and you push a button and it starts counting how many hours or how many minutes since that thing was yeah. made or whatever, you know, something simple like that. Yeah, Absolutely. I think that would be really So those kind of thought products are definitely driven by our innovation team. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's what's so wonderful today is that the technology to do these things has become so much more, less expensive. Indeed. You can incorporate these kind of components. I don't know if it's dishwasher safe, though. <laughs> I guess that's what they that's, do always have to do. Those are the things they are testing, right? Because our containers, many of them are freezer safe, microwave safe. Uh, we take pride in our seals, right? Uh, which are really tight seals and dishwasher safe. So um, that's why it's easy to integrate some certain sensors, but how do we keep, as you know, Tupperware is also lifetime warranty products. So how do you keep that level of standard? So yeah, that lot yeah. goes into that. Yeah. I want to pick up on something you said earlier about loyal customers. Um, you know, I get the feeling that Tupperware is a, one of those brands that has a people who follow it, who, re, who really love the brand, yep. who are really passionate about the brand. And I don't can think of too many, like for example, you know, if I think about other companies that make food storage containers, I don't know too many people that are passionate about Glad, you know, <laughs> Ziploc. You know, I mean, we may, I'm sure we have all product, these products in our kitchens. It's not that we don't buy them, but we don't get excited about them. At least I, I'll speak for myself. Maybe somebody does, but Thank I, you. I don't get the impression. Nice Whereas Tupperware seems to have, you know, sparked people's uh, emotions more. And I'm curious, is that, what, is that your experience? And if so, why do you think that is? I'd love to hear your thoughts about that from a branding perspective. Believe me, um, no, of course, after joining Tupperware, even more so, right? So um, just the fact, if you are going to give lifetime warranty, even if when I buy a car, which is thousands of dollars, I don't get lifetime warranty. For a product which is like $20, $50, $100, if I'm going to get lifetime warranty, the pride which goes behind the quality of the product speaks volume, right? That already speaks why, why so many of us are such loyal consumers of Tupperware, right? 
So whether you take the seal, the quality of the product, and uh, even after a couple of years, um, if there is, you know, if if I lost it, if I, I, I still want to keep the base, right? So that's how the quality of the product is good. And uh, I think that's the thing. Um, consumers truly like products which are of high quality, right? So they don't mind paying even a premium for that uh, product. There are hand-me-downs with the Tupperware, even after generations, right? So um, that, and even uh, many of them till associate us when we say Tupperware to kitchen containers, but we do have knives. We do have so many other products, like we do have vegetable choppers. Believe me, I'm a big fan of our chopper products. Because I would have never thought just three um, poles can chop onions uh, that sharply. So there's so many products. Tupperware has extended the product line into and still maintain the quality of the product. So I think yeah. that, that's the reason why we have such loyal consumer base. Yeah, you know, it's a brand that I associate myself with innovation, frankly, going back yep. decades. And with being very user-centric, you know, I think that we talk about that so much today, but when I think about the products, I remember years and years ago, you see, here's a better way to dispense shampoo in the shower so you don't waste so much. Or here's a, you know, it, it had the feeling that this was a brand that was really thinking about what are the challenges that you face every day in your house, whether you're trying to store food or whatever else, and coming up with just some little improvement on it yep. that sh reflected to me a level of care and insight that you didn't necessarily see from other brands. Absolutely. That actually, that we do have a, a, a line of products which actually keeps your food preserved for a longer time. And it is proven, right? So it's the very innovative seal and it has a small air cap in there, which has the mechanism to keep the food um, preserved for longer. So that goes to your point. There are so many little things they take care of consumer needs and that's how they drive innovation. As I said, um, yeah. uh, Tupper is already looking at what next? How do we help from uh, food conservation, right? And sustainability. So yeah, yeah. proud to yeah. be part of Tupperware. Yeah, I actually want to get to that. You, you prompted me to think of something else. You know, I have to admit, I don't think about Tupperware all the time. But as we're talking about it, you know, the other thing that I think that Tupperware has historically done beautifully is storytelling. And my experience, and it's been a long time, I'll confess, since I've been to a Tupperware party, but is they, they create a drama in the presentation, something like a, a, a better type of hanger, you know, yeah. and you might think, well, what's exciting about that? Well, you know, you get a, a, one of these consultants who talks about the problems and the challenges, the pain, the horrors of other hangers. And you, all of a sudden you realize they are really bad. Yeah. And then look yeah. at the problem we solved in the the Tupperware product as the hero that's saving you from so much inconvenience. And, and it's another aspect of Tupperware that I feel is so forward thinking even so many years ago, because that's what the best products do today, right? The best digital products are products that are like seeing a point of pain or a challenge and making your life better. And I really think that that's what um, the best Tupperware products always did. And it helped you understand it by really creating storytelling in those sessions. Entertainment. I mean, what I saw was you guys were selling seemingly ordinary household items in the sense, you know, through an entertainment experience uh, decades ago. So, you know, long before QVC or anything like that. Yeah. So, um, um, no, that's, as I said, like, it's not just social selling. Social selling is all about storytelling, right? Hey, why is it different? Um, and of course, 
people need to believe in you so you are already in somewhat influential influential within your your network and all our consultants that's what they're trained to and this is why we still believe in direct selling because our products do need that storytelling do need that demonstration to understand hey it is not just a regular onion chopper this is something even more special all it takes is three times for you to pull that string whatever you put in whether it is onion or avocado or whatever it is it's it's going to do a fine job so those demos cooking it makes it much more fun and the third is experience right all of us are now looking for what is experience it goes beyond product luckily for us the product is phenomenal already and on top of it when you give an experience as you are purchasing the product it makes it even more easier and I, that's what is mm-hmm. the party right they they cook they bring the friends together you get to network you listen to all this phenomenal stories and you get to buy uh, extremely yeah. good products and how did you find those zoom uh i mean we all tried to reproduce different types of social events on zoom and you know my experience of most of them was better than nothing yes. not nearly as good as being in person what kind of pre- results did you get when you trained your your consultants to try to do a Tupperware party via yeah. Zoom? As I said, I think really because of the pandemic, it really exploded. The usage exploded, and it also provides nothing. Nothing will ever replace the in-home parties. Let me say it right. Of course, this is like physically seeing everybody in person, having laughter. It's of course the need will always be there. However, mm. in such a busy world we are mostly women consultants who are very busy in their lives and finding time it also helped them now i suddenly don't have to clean my entire house because all my friends are going to come all i need to do is clean up the table right so i am not really cooking uh, food for uh, 20 people who's coming i'm actually showing right. them how to cook which i might be doing cooking for my own family right that's the recipe for today there are a lot of things which really help move that needle and uh, we truly integrated we actually used some of the um open source virtual meeting software with product line at the bottom and uh, and that's how we took the wish list so and then we integrated into our ordering system and what not right so it it helped them from time saving it helped the preparation of food for many people and it gave flexibility now suddenly i can even do it at 8 pm before i have to cater for travel time travel time back home so it at their home at their own convenience on top of it it is in the virtual world they could still see they could highlight some people they could highlight a product people can comment on it so we we truly helped it again nothing nothing replaces the 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 in-house physical party but it truly helped yeah, yeah. and many of them till today prefer that yeah you think it'll be well i want to ask you about the future you you just made me think of something someone told me the other day which was they said i'm, I'm not going to get it quite right but they said zoom with zoom you only have to be half presentable and i said well what do you mean they said well you know look at look at the room yeah this side of the room from the camera back yeah. has to be straightened up the other side of the room nobody knows exactly. you have to have a shirt a nice shirt on yes. but you could be wearing shorts you know exactly. who knows what you're doing yeah. you know below the desktop right you could be wearing your old sweatpants from 4 yep. days ago stained nobody knows you know yes. so you have that you only have to have the part that's visible be uh, be nice 
Um, so let's end with, I know we're running up against time here, uh, but this has been really interesting. Let's talk about the future. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts as we hopefully uh, move out of a pandemic phase. Uh, we're always interested in keeping an eye on of the shifts that occurred to accommodate the pandemic. How many are going to go back the way they were before? Probably some will. Others probably sustain. I'm curious, what do you, as you look out the next few years, A, how do you see the Tupperware experience and the technology behind it evolving into a post-pandemic world? And B, what other types of technologies will Tupperware be delivered by drones? Will they be 3D printed? Uh, you know, what, where else do you see technologies continuing to evolve and innovate uh, what Tupperware brings to the market? Absolutely. First, to answer your question, will we go back? Just like all of us talking about um, returning to work, right? Is it going to be exactly the same as ever before? I think the world has changed no matter what business, what practices we are talking about, the world has changed. I think the answer to it is going to be, it's a blended way, right? It is not like, oh, we will never adopt anything what we did before pandemic that is going to be good and bad, which is going to be mixed together. I think that's where even the Tupperware business model is, right? It's the flexibility. You want to host a physical party? Of course, now you can. But you don't have time to prepare the entire house. You have the flexibility to combine it with, with five different virtual parties and then one physical parties. That's the blended model which will be adopted as we're going forward. That's a first. And how else can the digital even mold? For example, we have many like Tupperware water bottles. Tupperware water bottles are uh, here for many, many years and many years to come, it'll be here, right? So how do we transfer mold from one country to another country as we produce this, manufacture these products? Um, that's where we are looking at 3D printing. Like how can we look at the need for the mold differently, right? So absolutely there is going to be continuous modernization with digital, right? Whether it is sensor-based products, whether it's how we manufacture products, how we deliver products, absolutely. As I said, yes, of course, we do have the last mile delivery in a better place than others. However, will we use drone? Certainly um, in, uh, in the locations where it's easier, where it, is, um, where it is going to be much more practical, right? So... It's going to be constantly evolving and, uh, and Tupperware is always looking at how we improve our business through digital. Great. Yeah, well, I love to hear all the ways that, you know, we, we sometimes think of all the digital innovation being at the Googles and the Facebooks and the, you know, yeah. perceived to be digital companies, but yeah. to realize how much is being done and how much is possible. Yeah with great classic brands as well, yeah. I think is always fascinating, exciting. That's yeah, so. simple. Even one last thing I'll leave, uh, Harvard. Yeah. Even uh, uh, catalogs, right? Don't forget, we are catalog business. We are direct selling means catalog business. We print quite a bit, whether it is A1 or, or uh, Tupperware. We are very big on printing those, digital, uh, those catalogs. Now we are moving away to digital catalogs, right? Can we send a link? Can people shop? Of course, with the digital moving forward, that's being adopted very much in social media. Send the link to whichever social media platform you are used to. So that flexibility to give them an option to do the business the way they think it will fit for their life. That's the, that's the model. Great. Well, great thought to end on. Ramesh, thank you so much for being here, Chief Digital Officer and Chief Information Officer of Tupperware. And as always, thanks to all of you for watching and listening the Winning Digital Customers podcast. I look forward to seeing you next time.
Hey everybody, welcome back to season four of Winning Digital Customers, the podcast. We have an amazing lineup of guests for you this season. We're gonna be kicking it off with an interview with the Chief Digital and Information Officer of Tupperware. I'm also gonna be speaking with the Chief Digital Officer of Royal Canaan, one of the leading global suppliers of pet food around the world who's doing some amazing digital things. I'm gonna be talking to the Chief Customer Officer of Ericsson, $25 billion supplier of electronic components of just about everything that you use in your life probably. And of course, as always, I'm going to be sitting down with some key digital influencers like Shep Hyken and others, New York Times bestselling author, and talking about the key issues that we all face as we try to drive our companies towards greater and greater success in this digital world that we're living in today. As always, our episodes are released bright and early every Thursday morning, so set your alarm clock so you can be the first ones to hear them. And uh, just sign up on your favorite streaming or downloading platform, Spotify, Apple, whatever you like, and get Winning Digital Customers, the podcast. I'll see you in season four, which kicks off next week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Winning Digital Customers, the podcast. Find more great episodes at wdcpodcast.captivate.fm on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever you listen. And visit winningdigitalcustomers.com to learn more about the Wall Street Journal bestselling book that inspired the podcast.